I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just Lindsay. See in this bitch girl, make your move, your hips were sipping jink girl, make you bounce your tits like it's a jig girl, like boom, sit come boot you for your boom, Honestine squad link up, it's like boom. The girls be giving you vibes, tune it, chill out, and feel good inside. Like hey girls, welcome back to It Girls Podcast. It's been a minute, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've missed you. I'm back. Tail between my little legs. Um, I'm back. Saws needed a minute to just kind of gain perspective on the new format. I am now the only host for It Gals, X Gals, Triple X Gals. Just me, Lindsay, on the mic. And um, yeah, I've been heavy over on Patreon. So if you want to sign up and become an X Gal or a Triple X Gal, X Gals is five euro. And you get a podcast every Tuesday. And Triple X Gals is um, eight euro. And you get a podcast every Tuesday and Friday. And I've also just implemented new things. I'm like, you know, just kind of manifesting some shit. I'm just going to get an inspired in the chaos. And um, we have a book club. We're doing our first Zoom call tonight, which will be fun discussing that book that we've read. Um, and I'm just planning planning a lot of shit, a little shit. And also I reached out to our ex gal. So if ever you've kind of thought, okay, I want to be on the pod, um, your chance, your chance is here guys. So yeah, I did a podcast where I reached, I kind of spoke about like how I'm moving forward with the brands and everything like that and the pod and, um, getting it more, I wanted to more like implement your actual lives because I feel like everyone who listens, we all kind of have a same little thing it's like I remember when I dreadlocks <clears throat> saws to everyone for that moment um go watch the voice the voice of Ireland Lindsay I butcher uh um, a, a song what was it fucking um faith by George Michael <laughs> ouch I'm actually just oh my god the cringe but anyway I had fucking dreadlocks and when I used to go around with my dreadlocks around town and stuff if you'd walk by someone else who had dreadlocks they'd give you this kind of like knowing this upward nod kind of thing of like we vibe we both have dreadlocks we know the hey hurry give me a hug it was it was I hated it it was actually one of the reasons why I um got rid of them because I was like oh my god it's just like no 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 I felt like I was driving a car and like you know all the little hand movements you do but I feel like that kind of same unifying thing goes on with it gals and ex gals where you know, we all kind of get the fucking vibe. We're all here, all the same kind of shit. So, um, yeah, over on X Gals and kind of making it more, um, kind of want it to the pod to actually enrich your lives in loads of different ways. I want to hire some X Gals. I want to hear their stories. So yeah, that's all going on over there. So if you've missed me, I'm Saws. I'm back. Just needed a minute to understand first of all how to upload it, gals, because I hadn't done that. I I upload. 
ex-gals and I'm not a tech gal. I'm an it gal. I'm not a tech gal. Um, so here we are. I have missed you. I'm sorry that we just were bloop, gone. Yeah, I'm back on my own. So I'm sorry that that must that was a shock for some people. People were kind of like dumbfounded, not knowing what's going on. I'm going to take a sip of my 0% girlies. Mm. Okay, well, let me tell you, the 0% has been flowing. I'm going to do an episode on how the fact how I'm fucking sober now I'm sober sober Sally and I'm fucking loving it I thought it would be so hard I never really thought I'd be able to do it I was just kind of like I'm just a drinker I just love and drinking cans and now I don't I don't drink cans I just drink fucking zero percent it's so easy like I actually did I'm shooketh I did not think it would be whoa that's an old one shooketh Okay, sorry that I I'm sorry I'm showing my age here, Huns. So I did an episode last week for Triple X Girls where I got Lauren Bijoey on, and that is I'm gonna give an edited clip um of that. It was a long ass pod. We had a great deep fucking chat. It was deadly, and I was just really pleasantly like I don't know. I mean I love Lauren Bijoey's Instagram. Like I literally I'm obsessed and have been for years with her style. She's so fucking chic, but um. But I didn't really know much, and I know you all listening didn't really know much about her. So it's, and I always knew, like, from meeting her out and about, that she had like this kind of cheeky little banterful personality. So I was like, okay, I want to get her on the pod. And um, she spoke about her um issues with PCOS and endo, and I'm actually going to get her to write a little piece about it because it's mad. And I know that loads of listeners. Um, either don't know that they have it and are just suffering without kind of being diagnosed or else have it and it just seems like a really difficult thing to um to go through so yeah I'm gonna give a part of that interview um at the end of this intro so yeah I want to discuss it is 10 years since Amy Winehouse died 10 fucking years Oh my goodness, that went by so quick. Like, I mean, I've never done an episode on Amy Winehouse, which is crazy. This Friday, she's 10 years gone. And I am like the biggest fucking stan. Like, I mean, I'm so obsessed with her and I know everything about her and I still listen to her almost daily. And I just have been obsessed with her since I first came to know her, you know? And I felt like you know, I really grew up with her in a way. So for X-Gal's first book club, we are reading My Amy by Tyler James. Now I have read a lot of Amy Winehouse books. I've read one written by her mom, I think her dad, one by some kind of biographer. I've seen the movie. I've watched like countless documentaries that I found on YouTube. I you know, have just been trying to absorb and understand this like person who I adore so much and who really taught me so much about music and everything. I just, I just wanted to fucking know the truth or something. So the book My Amy by Tyler James is by far the most like insightful insightful kind of knowledge I feel that has been given to us in her whole life like I watched the movie and it was great but like this you're just getting so much deeper you find out so much more and it's written really really respectfully but also being real 
there has been so much noise around the whole Amy Winehouse saga. Like, she was 27 when she died. Why wasn't she saved? Why was she performing when she was, like, so obviously inebriated and stumbling around and crying on stage and all that kind of stuff? Why, why the fuck couldn't we have saved her? Because she was just such a talent. Like, I feel like you don't, like, get talent like that. I think that she is our one talented gal you know there's just no one there's fucking no one like don't 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 come here and say Lana Duray is touches on her or anyone like fucking what Adele so boring no Amy Winehouse was like so authentic embedded in music and knowledgeable about music and just like there's I could fucking go on but this book really I couldn't put it down. I'd be sipping my 0%, staying up till 3 a.m., just like eating up this book. I was like shocked every page. You'd learn something more and you can just feel the truth from the way it's written. And like, so Tyler James met Amy when he was 13 and she was 12. So they knew each other for such like most of their lives, basically. And they lived together. They were best friends. And I loved that element of like the kind of male and female relationship like he's straight so was she and it was kind of like just they were like soulmates without the romantic part and wow you like he goes in I feel like from reading it as well I felt like I could feel his healing or something through him writing this because it felt like he'd stored all these stories it's like when you break up with a toxic boyfriend and then over years you kind of remember another thing that he did that you maybe didn't notice that that was bad at the time like he was just like spilling this story after story he was with her so much they were so so close he lived with her he was the kind of really only true friend that stuck by her in the depths of destruction and it's so harrowing and sad and scary and it definitely reminded me of um you know the Britney Spears thing that's going on at the moment like I mean that level of paparazzi hounding is just I cannot imagine I don't think anyone would understand unless you experience that what it's like to not be able to walk down to your local bar or to a restaurant or just go to Tesco and be normal like she was just such an icon and such a like even visually she like had a fucking beehive for god's sake she couldn't just walk outside and be like inconspicuous she just had such a presence and she was hounded and he speaks about that in the book about how she didn't even need a passport while going away he speaks about Blake and in in a way that because this was the book that I'd been waiting for for 10 years because as a fan of hers it was difficult to be a fan of hers while watching the media completely tear her apart when she was so obviously going through the depths of addiction and just clearly unwell and in so much pain and she was just hounded by the fucking paparazzi they lived outside outside her house she used to be photographed bring them out cups of tea she was photographed smoking a crack pipe and that was splashed on the front page of every newspaper it, it was just the thing about amy winehouse was that she was a tabloid's dream like a journalist's dream she 
came onto the scene with her first album, Frank, and it did well. But, um, you know, if you look back at performances of her singing that and her music videos, she looks kind of different. Like, you know, she's just not as, she's not as an, a, a remarkable image as she kind of became when she turned into the character Amy, Amy Winehouse. But um, she's kind of more plain, like she's beautiful and healthy and seemingly like probably happier. It was before her fame really exploded. But um, then, you know, she took a hiatus and then she had this awful breakup and this crazy fucking relationship. And she, you know, it's well known that she was riding back to black on her kitchen floor, drinking, pissed. Tyler James, who wrote the book, would find her in the morning, like comatose and pick her up. Like she really was like bleeding onto the pages. Um, and that ultimately came, you know, birthed the album Back to Black, which just fucking skyrocketed her into like nationwide fame. And then came the beehive, weight loss, tattoos. And, you know... It was obvious that there was something going on um, behind the scenes that wasn't kosher, shall we say. It was like, she was obviously on fucking drugs. Um, and and she was an open kind of alcoholic. The song Rehab just, just kind of stamped that. Apparently that song Rehab haunted her, Tyler said in the book. And that was really interesting for me to read because... You know, it was just this running joke that would always be brought up on, you know, I remember Simon Amstel, I think, on Nevermind the Buzzcocks kind of said, maybe, maybe yes to rehab you a little bit, that kind of shit. It's like, it was a constantly running joke that she's this out and proud fucking crazy bitch. Maybe you should have not said no, no, no. You should have said yes, yes, yes to rehab. So I think from reading the book and hearing how defiant she was as a person, I feel like that song kind of impacted her decision, kind of, I I guess it was just a really weighted thing, knowing that if she wanted to go to rehab or go get help, that she could probably visualise the fucking tabloids all over the place. I'd say it was just so, I just can't imagine how crazy that fame is. Um... And I just, I remember seeing it on TV, like just her trying to go like three meters from her front door to a waiting car and being basically attacked by these paparazzi and pushed over and falling and then shoving herself into this car. It was just crazy. She was a tabloid dream. And then she had an incarcerated boyfriend. Blake Fielder Civil got locked up for grievous bodily harm and he had tried to pay off a witness and that was just an added selling point you know for the papers so she was really just keeping the goddamn papers in business for quite a few years I just loved the fucking beehive I loved the little shorts I loved the wing eyeliner that's why I wear winged eyeliner that's why my Instagram name is Stella Jade Mermaid because Amy Winehouse's Twitter name was fucking Amy Jade Mermaid like you know I'm a super fan And she, because of her love of music, and I remember when I first heard Back to Black, I was floored. I was like, oh, I've never heard this kind of music before. You know, that's come out today. And it was just like 
such like modern lyrics with this kind of jazzy self it was fucking unreal and then I'd watch interviews and find out like who inspired her and what music she liked and I'd go and find it and listen to it and love it as well so is she just really like she nourished so much creativity in me and her kind of defiance and her wit and her attitude really inspired me in the sense of like I just I just was so enthralled by her there was there was no one like her she stood out so much in every way and she just seemed so nonchalant about her talent and Tyler James also in the book said that she wouldn't even push her voice so we never knew how good her voice actually was because when performing even in the studio she would always kind of hold back a bit just because she it wasn't her to be like showing off her voice it was just something that she naturally had which is like oh my god I'd say he heard like the most beautiful sound because she used to sing him to sleep Carol King's so far away I'm like ugh. I just it was there was so much that I took from that book that I feel like I almost needed it was like finally she's given the recognition of what she went through she was pulled apart by the media and ridiculed taken advantage of it just it was really hard to see and it's just really frustrating I remember where I was right when she died I'm ashamed to say I'm gonna oh fuck I was at knocking stocking it's like so not me it was me back then it was my hippie phase and um uh, yeah I was I, I decided I was a hippie I had the dread so I kind of had to run with it one summer I was like you know what? I'm just gonna go to festivals I'm gonna be a festival gal so I went to all these festivals my friends were like uh we're not going to knock and stock and no no way I was like fine I'll go I think I know a couple mates going went down basically on my own was wandering around like you know tr- pretending it was Woodstock you know just trying to really enjoy it I didn't at all it was like fully my hell on earth like the bands playing were all Irish and no shade yeah shade they're, they're like it was like fucking what I saw you in fucking Sweeney's only last week and now you're up on this stage like you're fucking you're you were busking in town and now you're like there were just shit music saws and just like mad hippie vibes and that's when I was like okay I'm not a hippie because this is not my vibe at all. Like they're talking about hippie stuff. I had fun, it was gas, but yeah, n- not from moi. Um, and I was in the tent just, you know, living my festy life. And I got a text, I think from my sister. I, ca- I can't even remember the fucking day, it doesn't matter. Being like, Amy Winehouse died, did you know? I was like, what? I was so angry. I was so fucking angry. I was like, no not my favorite book what we barely had her she was fucking 27 and like whoever had texted me had said like oh she's part of the 27 club I was like oh her and bloody Kurt Cobain like oh for god's sake she's one of the like now it's kind of a cliche I was like oh and you know in the hippie commune I was like looking around for some kind so surely one of you's like would care about this so I was like oh my god guys 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 put put down the weed for a sec um Amy Winehouse is dead and they were like oh yeah she's she's fucking not cool like she's like a junkie kind of thing and like because of the perception 
that had been like so hammered through from the tabloids was that she's just this messy kind of pop star and because she was so famous without even wanting to be she actually fucking hated fame but just because she was just her image she was just like I said perfectly a tabloid dream they were like slagging her off and I was like okay what the fuck she's in the 27 club guys like a bit of respect wouldn't go bloody stray and they're like oh no she, no way she doesn't deserve to be in the 27 club I was like Kurt Cobain what oh come on Kurt Cobain was just a moany fucking schoolboy who had a journal like dear god and he fucking like hated the aim like I mean I I watched the documentary I loved the whole like nostalgia of him and Courtney Love and the conspiracy shit but like wouldn't be playing Nirvana Wear the t-shirt, yeah. I, I love rocking t-shirts that I, I've never heard the band. That's that's my fucking style, okay? Um, but no, God, it's it's not really... It's His voice annoys me. But like that's... But oh, 100% he is in the 27 Club and I get it. But like for people to fucking be slagging Amy Winehouse in front of me when the bitch is like not even cold, I was like... <sighs> Why of all places am I in knocking stocking? Knocking, even the name of the fucking festival. It sounds like I'm doing the beep deep. I was like, fuck this. And you know, up the bloody mountains didn't have enough signal on my block yet, whatever it was 10 years ago, that I couldn't like access the fucking papers. I was like, oh my god. And like then I'd be going to t- some tent trying to drown my sorrows, like and there'd be some shit singer. I was like, oh my God, you don't know music. You don't know music. If, if they had any respect, they should have just pumped out Amy Winehouse in every tent, like truly. But that's where I was. And oh my God, I just I was so, so sad, so annoyed. And then like it came out that it was alcohol poisoning that had killed her, that she'd been clean off hard drugs for like three years and she was having like stints of sobriety. And, you know, it was just like such an... Ugh anti-climax for uh, lack of a better word like it was just so fucking enraging because we'd kind of followed this through the tabloids and she was getting a little bit better Blake seemed to be fully out of the picture she had a new fella I mean I felt that that was definitely a bit of a like PR kind of stunt on his part Um, and Tyler James even went in on that in the story which I was like oh he did not come to play oh my god who said that like it was he was rinsing fucking everyone but then doing it in that perfect backhandy kind of way of being like I don't think Mitch Winehouse had the capability to take care for his daughter or see her other than famous but I think he's a great bloke I was like oh I love that I love that fucking nasty um shout out Adam O'Reilly but yeah it uh it it was a fucking whole lot and I'm dying to talk to the ex-gals tomorrow in book club because as soon as I finished the hardback that I bought on fucking Amazon, I downloaded Audible for the first time. Audible, I got my fucking free book. And what book did I get? My Amy by Tyler James. And I'm listening to him read it now. I'm like so fucking obsessed. And I can't even deal. Um, which is gas. Cause like I, everyone I was telling everyone I was reading the book and casually like in any circumstance bring, it's actually interesting that you say that about Domino's pizza, Amy Winehouse and her addiction really fell and floundered and she was really into Haribo Tangfastics. Oh, so do you want Domino's? No, I'm just saying like I was pushing it into every fucking conversation as if I'd had a new fella and I was like, oh my God, how fun. How fun is this? Carl, Carl actually wears Adidas and they have Adidas in JD's Wars. Isn't that fucking weird? Is that a sign? So um, 
So yeah, oh, read it, guys. My Amy by Tyler James. Like I did Instagram message him an emotional message and was like, emotion, emotion, emotional. If you want to come on the pod and discuss, he didn't write back. And then I wrote to Amy Winehouse's hairdresser who was also on fucking crack i learned from the book like the two of the fucking hell keeping crack in the beehives like it's iconic he was hell he created the beehives with her and stuff like that and he actually sent me back a message so he's a possibility fucking hell if i could get anyone close to her on i i, I did i don't know to pick their brain it would just because oh anyway I'm going to give a little excerpt of my interview with Lauren Bajoey. Go follow her if you want to chic up your goddamn life. And also she talks about smear tests and I don't know how, but the bitch has made smear tests sexy. Like (laughs) only Lauren Bajoey could do that. So yeah, truly go follow her, go listen to this and um, join the revolution and sign up to Patreon. I'm here with someone who I have been so excited to have on the pod. Someone I followed for over a decade, possibly. (laughs) Miss Lauren Bajoey. Hello. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I've wanted to come on Ikals for a long time. Amazing. Have you ever done a podcast? Never done a podcast. It's been like high up on the list of things I want to do. So here we are. You are an Ikal. Am I an Ikal? You're an Ikal. I'm honoured. You are actually an Ikal because, <laughs> I mean, I remember when I first kind of knew of you, you were so young. So young. Like what age when so you first I'd, kind of came on the scene? I'd say like 15, probably 14, to be honest. No. I was very, very young, which is so funny to me now. Like I just went 26 last week and I'm kind of going, mm. my 14 year old self was like, you'll be married, you'll have kids and a mortgage. Yeah. I'm like, I have a bedroom. <laughs> I have a Chanel handbag, that's about it. Yes, and that's all you need. <laughs> that is all I need, girl. So you were so young when you first so came on the scene. young. Because this was like a time in Dublin when mm. there were so many nightclubs, like there were so many like kind of clubs that were having like events, you mm-hmm. know, like every, there was like certain like on Tuesday there'd be a night on Friday. So it was kind of <laughs> the like, one on Tuesday, remember that one? Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, so I was really, really young and I think how that started was... Basically for me in school, like school just did not interest me and I went to Mount Temple and my kind of feeling was they weren't really interested in you unless you could, you know, play rugby, play hockey or else you were good at music and I am terrible at all three of those. So I felt like there was nothing for me. Mm -hmm. So I kind of ended up like in town hanging out with my friends who were always older than me and like in bands and like working in bars. So naturally... That's where I ended. You were like bopping around with oldies like me. Bopping around with you old age pensioners. Yeah. And now now I'm the old age pensioner. So how the tables oh, have no. turned. Oh no, I'm still the old age pensioner. <laughs> I think I kind of first, you probably were about 17 when I first um, knew of you. And I think it was in, um, what was it? What's it called? Like Temple Bar Music Centre? Temple Bar. What was it's Button Factory or something? Button Factory, Mother of the Gods. And it was Halloween and you were dressed as Madonna. Oh, I had the cone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had the gold uh, bodysuit on with like silver conical boobs. And it like was so everything good. just kept touching them. So I had to, everyone kept touching them. So I had to like stuff them with fluffy socks to like keep them pointy. <laughs> it was such an amazing costume. It was like that scene from Mean Girls when Lindsay Lohan comes in. I was her. Because I think I was like a dead bride or something. <laughs> And like had blood all over me and then I was like, oh, I wish I'd done that. <laughs> I'll never forget though, um, 
well, I was wearing the costume and I was going to my friend's house beforehand and my dad was dropping me and my mom was like, put a jacket over you. Do not let him see that. So I had like the big jacket over me and as soon as yeah. I got out of the car, I was like, Madonna. I mean, <laughs> I did that too for like up, up until like a few years ago. I'd be like, bye mom, going out with like a big trench coat and then being like, okay, <laughs> leaving the trench coat in a taxi. Leaving, yes. Not we caring. Don't, we don't want the trench coat. No. But um, you were really one of the first, like, Instagrammers in Dublin. That's, uh, yeah, well, yeah, and you know, it's so funny to me, like, especially now with the way Instagram is, and it's, you know, it's, I feel so many more people are on it and, like, actually making a living off it, mm. and, um, yeah, I was super, super young, and I had my whole aesthetic and, like, my whole vibe, and I think I always kind of looked and dressed a lot older than mm-hmm. I actually was. Why um, do you think that is? You know what, I come from a family where my brother is now 40, so I've always been, had like a sibling significantly older than me, and I think anyone that knows me knows I'm just an old soul, so it was just, that was just my style, and it's yeah. funny, I look back at old pictures and I'm like, I still kind of have the same style. You so do. Yeah, I definitely do. And I think I'm the opposite, I'm like... I mean, I still have the same style, but it's like so young. So I was like, I need to get Lauren on <laughs> to school me on how to be a classy, chic Parisian queen. Listen, classy girl. <laughs> I'm trying. I bought a few you blazers. You are classy. Those Gucci shoes are very classy. I, I just got yeah, them. Very classy. I just got them because I was like, they are classy shoe. I'm like, I'm trying to go against myself because it's not mm-hmm. what I'd usually go for. Mm-hmm. No, it looks so good. But like it actually, I think I did a podcast a, a little while ago where I was talking about like just what's so, what you're so drawn to. And mm-hmm. I'm just so used to like getting an extra small mm-hmm. or a small and like getting the shortest skirt in Zara mm-hmm. or whatever. And like then going out and kind of hooshing it down and feeling uncomfortable, but yeah. just feeling feeling so used to that, that mm-hmm. it's like... I've forgotten that like clothes are a choice and I'm like oh and then I put on a blazer and I'm like "Ooh, I feel like I'm a CEO and I am Girl, a CEO you are you are a CEO I'm a CEO of yeah. it gals now so I need to start dressing like this so I was like okay I'm gonna get Lauren on because you have always just had this natural style and you seem to be such a good shopper yeah you know what um when people ask me to describe my style I'm like okay I, I couldn't put it into words but I'm quite minimal. Well, I literally I'm just putting it into words now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quite minimal. And I would be quite classic. And I think working in retail and luxury retail from a young age, I kind of got good pretty quickly at like spotting stuff and investing. And that's mm. something I, I, I'm not, I won't sit here and say I don't wear fast fashion. Like I, I do sometimes, but for the most part, I definitely try and like save up. Believe me, I cannot afford a single one of these things I own like it yeah. would always have been saving or like on my my staff my staff discount um when I worked in Brown Thomas god I love that staff discount oh you know what it was nice and I do kind of miss it I would I have an I urban do. outfitters one and like it's every other day a random thing and my sisters both have the same login details of the urban outfitters so they're <laughs> constantly getting stuff but I would prefer the Brown Thomas one I definitely miss it how much are we talking so uniform would be like 50% so that would be stuff that you'd wear like on store oh, okay. like in store and um just to be black I'm assuming no not anymore like oh, not really? now they'd be pretty good in terms of like what you can wear um and they're by and I feel like since I've left now that I went in today I'm like the buy is so much better and I'm like of course and I leave um mm. but yeah I'd be quite classic and the thing about me is 
you know they sometimes you'll have an outfit and you look at I'll wear it once and that's it yeah I am awful you will see me in the same outfit 90 times and we wear will not give a shot oh I'm a re I will wear it I think until that's so it's ready important. to be a rag like yeah I'm like is. that too I just like well I mean I'm wearing shorts again like mm-hmm. I just w- have worn shorts for like I can't even remember when you I didn't wear shorts. You were the queen of shorts. You and your Levi's, like, you always... I remember you'd have like your Levi's, your fishnets and your big long legs. I and know. Dogs. The fishnets were a no looking back. <laughs> the fishnets were literally good. like... I mean... I would literally look like I got caught straight from the sea. I kind I felt like that. Like I just... <laughs> someone caught me out of a swamp. I'd have the long dreads, these shorts and a buggy. Not at all. Like insane. You're rocking it, girl. But now I gave up the fishnets. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, no, it's a bit much. <laughs> like getting into your the car with your dad and it's like what are you doing and I'm like just fucking drive dad <laughs> this isn't a phase yeah. dad it is funny how you're so naturally like drawn to stuff mm-hmm. and I think you didn't really seem to get like enveloped in the whole um kind of fast fashion like even if you were to we all buy fast fashion mm-hmm. like first of all and it's like unavoidable it. yeah um but you never seem to get into that like rotisserie of like when Instagram really started to pop off like mm-hmm. I feel like we used to separate between like ourselves and like influencers mm-hmm. or people who had the like you know ability to buy 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 mm-hmm. but then when fast fashion became so attainable it was like oh i can literally buy a new outfit every day every and it's day. fine yeah. and it's affordable and i can maintain it mm-hmm. like i remember when i was younger listening to or reading something justin bieber was like i wear my like socks once and then I fuck them in the bin I was like that is so insane (laughs) and fast forward we're now doing that like people are wearing a dress once throwing it out like I have fully thrown clothes out yeah in the bin and like here's the thing like I don't agree with fast fashion and ideally I wouldn't I'd like to not support it but if I had the money of course but like I I don't have the money to go buy a a white tank top for like a hundred euro that I Mm. know a few spins in the wash it's ready for the bin um so I don't like supporting it but it is the only option for a lot of people and we have to remember that so what I do is I'll be quite picky just as picky with fast fashion as I would something expensive and again I'll consistently wear it like I will make sure that you know it's it's not worn once and just kind of thrown away yeah And I think by keeping your style kind of minimal, it's not obvious. Mm. It's not obvious. Because if you were going for like, you know, super bright colors Mm -hmm. or like prints, then Mm -hmm. it's more obvious. But I think because I'm in the process now of changing my style. Mm -hmm. So I have been, I cleared out my wardrobe like when I was doing with my house. There's nothing nicer than a wardrobe clear out. Like Like, amazing. It'll literally clear your head out as well. It does. Knowing that like, because I was ruthless. I was like, if I have not worn you. You have to in three to six months you're out you're gone yeah down to the chasm shop <laughs> like so and then but this is the thing with charity shops now there's like a serious influx of like fast fashion mm-hmm. in them so it's just yeah good. like because I used to be like oh I'm charity shopping it's great or vintage shopping but it's not really because no. it's just like a kind of rotisserie of like a literal big steam and hot pot of fast fashion yeah exactly like everything's fast fashion in mm. charity shops mm-hmm. but I have kind of stuck to neutrals and yeah. um, kept most like just neutral kind of colors and like plain kind of silhouettes or whatever I bought a lot of stuff from Reformation because I was mm-hmm. just like I'm not really the sustainable gal but I was like I actually do really like the cuts of their clothing mm-hmm. 
So that's coming on Friday and hopefully it fucking so fits. So exciting. Of course it will. <laughs> we'll see. But um, and do you think, where do you think you get your inspiration for fash? You said oh before God. you were recording that you started with Tumblr. So let's talk about Tumblr for a little oh while. Oh my God, Tumblr is so funny. So I'd say Tumblr would have been like the start of it, without a doubt. That's um, ha- probably how you got maybe known. Even. Yeah. So I had like a really big Tumblr and I like thought it was so alternative. And my vibe has always been like, I would always post like architecture, fashion and like sexy stuff. And I will never forget when I came home from school and my mum was sitting in the kitchen with the laptop open no her my brother had been on to her saying he'd seen my tumblr and oh my god she sat me down had a little intervention but looking back like that's just so funny to me um but yeah tumblr would have been like i cannot the start lauren bichelle got an intervention for lauren her tumblr <laughs> got an intervention and carol doesn't even bat an eyelid at what i post now she got she, used to it she got fairly quickly Fairly quickly, she got used to it. Because you were one of, like, because on Tumblr, I'm trying to remember, it was just Lauren Bajawi. It was uh, Lola Bajesus. Oh my god! And that's gosh, what my Instagram yes. originally was, Lola, Lola Bajesus. Did anyone yeah. ever call you Lola? Yeah. Oh god, so Lola, like family, friends and family would call mm-hmm. me Lola, and I do prefer to actually be called Lola. So cute. But my Instagram was Lola Bajesus, and that actually started in school. So there was Lola Bajesus, Lola Pajamas, Lauren BJ. No way. <laughs> no, BJ for no reason in particular. They just thought BJ just because would be funny. <laughs> but um, I think, because I mean, it's, I still couldn't, like it's, no one has that name. Shall no, we? No. So my dad is, my mum's Irish, like literally blonde hair, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad is North African, so he's from Tunisia. So it's kind of like, it's kind of, it has like a French twang to it. But yeah, there was only one Lola Bajesus, there Bajesus in Dublin. I'll tell you, I can't even say it myself. And it kind of like, Bajawi, the name kind of like encapsulates your whole like aesthetic. Yeah, I stuff, suppose you know? like people always say Bajwi. So I'm like, you oh, get do they? that little wee in there. That's um, gorge. Yeah, so like I think. I'm Hamilton. People in school used to call me Hamo. Hamilton's nice though. Hamo's fine, but I n- I don't like ham. Hamo. Hamo. I know they'd be like Hamo Sambo. I'm like, <laughs> I don't like ham. I'm fucking vegan. <laughs> like being just like you were vegan before it was even cool to be vegan. I was. And then when it got cool, I was like, I'm over it. Now <laughs> that everyone's doing nuggets. it, yeah, <laughs> I'm back on the meat. Now I'm eating steak and stuff. Love steak. I know you used to always post steak, and I, mm-hmm. I just now I'm eating steak, and oh my god, why, where have I been? Where have you been? I don't know. So on Tumblr, so was your Tumblr? I'm trying to remember because I was kind of like I was a reblogger and stuff. I didn't really mm. post yeah. myself as much on Tumblr, but um, did you post yourself as well? So I'd post myself a little bit, um, not so much in the beginning. Like it was more so further when I got like when I got into Tumblr like further and at the whole American Apparel thing that's when I really like started posting myself but I would have been like predominantly Instagram love the Instagram because you were like your Instagram popped off like pretty like you used Instagram almost like it's used now before that was like it was quite shocking yeah I used to use Instagram like a business and I think my biggest regret was not realizing my potential before it actually kicked off for everyone if that makes sense Mm. because I feel for a long time I did stand out and now it's so oversaturated like everyone is on Instagram anyone can like you know get a partnership or a deal with a Mm -hmm. brand and when I was doing it like it was very selective and people were like quite iffy about Instagram still Mm. especially like some businesses they didn't understand like obviously what an amazing tool it could be Mm -hmm. 
but that's a really really big regret of mine was really? not running with it when I was in my prime yeah. I think there's still prime in you though for sure but I understand what you mean because mm -hmm. like I mean I remember as a follower of yours like mm -hmm. I was posting random shit like everyone was back then like I mean just you take a photo it was like Instagram used to be like instant yeah like it'd you, be like stuff you'd put in your stories just random stuff yeah. no like rhyme or reason really yeah. yeah and there was not really like aesthetic going on on the internet back then like I used tumbler. to have aesthetic in my bio I remember <laughs> oh my god aesthetic and influencer Jeez. sorry guys <laughs> Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I love that. <laughs> I apologize for that now. <laughs> but like, but there was like literally a buzz. I don't know. I'm sure you were aware of like. Who is this girl around town? Like I used to be in newspapers, articles. You like, were in Stellar magazine. Yeah, I was. Out, I had like a full blown spread in Stellar. That was my face when I only wore white. I remember, remember that, that face. Yeah. I had Lu Julia Godfrey over there, and she was like, "Remember the white face?" I was like, "Yes, <laughs> I bought the fucking Zara skirt." Oh, the skirt. The oh, skirt. Yeah. I should have had shares in that. Everyone they bought that damn skirt. Yeah, the it scorch. did not look. And you know scorch. what? I had three core outfits. Three core white outfits and I wore them like I didn't even wear them, I rallied them. Really? I remember there was like balls, like the the escort went bally because I had worn it that much. But listen. So funny, the skirt. I think everyone remembers the skirt. It was kind of like um when you go into a nice restaurant and they have the serviettes yeah. like folded. <laughs> it was like a folded white. It is exactly. Kind of. I bought it, like my sisters bought it. I mean, you really were like the kind of person that like you were influencing style. I in definitely Dublin. was. Yeah. Like and I think as well, because like I said, like, I mean, I was just and everyone else was just kind of no one, you know, throwing up whatever mm. the weird like I would have put up like an O'Brien sandwich <laughs> I was eating. Do you know the way? Like just such random, like yeah. no but, idea but of aesthetic. In the beginning, that's what Instagram was for. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think anyone ever imagined it would turn into. You used to be able to only like have to go into the app and only be able to take a photo from the app. Oh my God. I actually forgot about it. Do you remember that? And, and I'd be, you'd be posting selfies and like not yeah. even batting an eyelid at it. Just, just it up. bam, one picture and Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Or like a night out and like where you're like a selfie with three blurry friends and stuff and always filters it had like those uh, weird what filters was valencia i used uh, yes. to absolutely <laughs> rally valencia oh just didn't like the picture put valencia mm. on it be grand <laughs> so but like you were like posting like you know now everyone's posting like their bikini photo mm. if there's a holiday you were doing like the sexy naked shit like pretty early on i was probably well no 
I wouldn't say too early like that was just me and I think my parents and my friends and my family just knew that and accepted it and mm-hmm. um, it was by no means vulgar but that was part of me and my nature and my vibe and that was unheard of then yeah like literally unheard of and especially in Ireland which is mm. so conservative yeah and, and I'll like never forget like when I started doing it um this is when like you know I was kind of like you know in a lot of magazines and stuff like that people were like what the hell she's so young like this is disgraceful and now you wouldn't even bat an eyelid Mm -hmm. you would not bat an eyelid at like the pictures I was posting no no it's like there's ours my my whole feed is basically just different (laughs) women's arses well to be fair Lindsay I had to go through a rebrand a couple months ago I had like a four month hiatus from Instagram Mm -hmm. like I need to go through a rebrand there was just too much diddy and okay. a bit too much art so I was like Lauren which direction and what is it? and like have you ever regretted putting up photos like that never mm. never and ever. what do you think is the only thing I ever regretted were <laughs> only thing I ever regretted yeah. was oh, no. when I um was sending my ex-boyfriend a nude picture this is like way back Everything. and and I was meant to send it to him <laughs> and I posted it. Now, luckily it was up for me. Um, was it, it was, naked? And uh, no, I had a bra on, but oh, like, okay. <laughs> this is how funny. I'm just going to say, cause it's actually fucking hilarious. I had like a, a desk chair in my room and I had like a, f- a fluffy carpet on it. And I was sitting on the fluffy carpet with no underwear on. Oh my gosh. But you could see my, you could see my bra, but you would have had to like properly stare at it. Like my legs were closed. Yeah. But I posted Instagram basically with Valencia filter on it. No <laughs> so that was just a mistake. That's the only regret I have in terms of things I've yeah. posted, like sexy wise. But and do you feel that like because you were like you said, like now it's just there's all different kind of bodies. Every girl's doing it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you have a following or not. Did you find from like women that there was like kind of hate towards you doing that or jealousy or kind of? Like, no, I don't think that. I think the only sort of, like, thing like that I had with Instagram was girls with... I had a lot of girls with eating disorders, like, kind of message me all the time, like, quite intense things about what I ate, how I worked out. Like, but Mm. it was never, you know, no one abused me for being, like, too sexy or Mm. posting those sort of pictures. I think I was more spectacle, if anything, because people were kind of like, who is this girl and what the hell? Yeah. What the hell is she doing? (laughs) I mean, I remember you had that little thing in your room. It was like, be naked when I come home. Oh, I still have that. Do you still have that? I still have that. I was like, Lauren Michelle was always naked. There wasn't no one naked in my bedroom (laughs) except for me. (laughs) But, um, so I remember that on Tumblr, actually, you touched upon like the eating disorder thing. That was a huge thing in Tumblr. I remember like, you know, I would even get some random questions and mm-hmm. I didn't have m- many people following my Tumblr, but you'd get like, what do you eat in a day? That was a huge thing. Like, what do you eat? What do you work that, out? What do you and do? And also like Tumblr was quite toxic in that sense. And I feel um, maybe people were more comfortable being that way on Tumblr because there was like pro anorexia, anorexia mm. like blogs and, you know, there was a lot of stuff like that. So that was probably like the most intense thing that I've dealt with. And I was quite young at the time and that definitely upset and affected me mm. um like feeling responsible yeah feeling responsible and feeling guilty because when you're what 17 like how do you explain that you don't do anything in particular like you know mm. you're you're not you don't have an eating disorder but you don't overeat you don't undereat, like you don't work out particularly so how do you kind of explain to people that's just your body because a lot of people can't don't understand that or just yeah. accept that mm-hmm. um and then with that can come like 
another side of toxicity that is like, mm-hmm. oh, she's lying or, you know, yeah. um, because I think that even happens in like the kind of modeling industry. There's like mm-hmm. so many photos of like Kate Moss or Cara Devlin with like eating Big Macs and like trying to promote this image of like, you know, oh, I fucking, but maybe they do. Mm-hmm. Do you know the way it yeah. is weird? But like definitely from Tumblr, the, um, the Anon box Oh my god! Is like that basically just bred this yeah. like toxicity because yeah. you're never going to find out who the fact these people are. Never. That's when it was like most intense. I'm sure people could literally ask you anything, and as you said, they could did be anyone. They did, but they could be anyone. You'll never know. Never know. Like I mean, you could ask yourself questions for yeah. God's oh sake. Oh my god! Yeah. Like, and I think some people in Dublin were doing that. <laughs> oh, definitely some people in Dublin there doing were, that. Which on Instagram. So funny. Yeah. Like, oh. how the hell are you so skinny and gorgeous? <laughs> <laughs> oh. But um, I I remember like getting mad questions. Like, mm-hmm. are you on heroin? I'm like, no. Do you think I'm cute? Heroin she. Heroin she. This is the thing about the internet, though, and especially like in terms of accountability. Still, so much of the internet is so anonymous, so, so anonymous. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, being present on Instagram from a young age, I very quickly had to learn how to like distance myself and how to almost, I, I, I describe it as like training people that were following me, like how to treat me. In the beginning, um, when I did American Apparel, I actually did get a bit of abuse over that. I have people like, even nasty comments just weird shit just like on instagram on instagram on instagram so commented under my pictures just nasty stuff um and i used to reply to them and And what was the kind of like was it kind of just like you know just like nasty comments about how i looked oh okay just apps it was so pathetic when i think of it but i was replying in the beginning Mm. and i learned like if you keep replying you're just fueling like you're literally an easy target if they know they'll get a response out of you. Yeah. They're going to keep going for you. So one day I thought, you know what? I'm just not going to respond. And I've probably received four or five messages since, in those years since, that have been yeah. nasty. Over time, I definitely regret not running with it while I feel like I had potential to make a full-blown living off it. I kind of still think... I mean, when you look back, though, like you were talking about American Apparel, because... Yeah. American Apparel was like such a moment. Such a moment. I mean, when that first came to Dublin. American Apparel used to be like, not like legit, but like, you know, when I say legit, it was like cool. It was so freaking cool. I mean, it was like, and kind of, it was expensive-ish for our age. It was absolutely rip-off. I think I remember spending like 70 euro (laughs) on a a hoodie and being like, "Um, I am... But you were buying in to the sex appeal because obviously their campaigns were very sexual. Mm -hmm. You were buying into that. The whole, it was the vibe. (laughs) It was selling a lifestyle. Yeah. Even like the shop. Me me from Finglas, like buying clothes as if I'm living in bloody California. Like Finglas is a long way from California, let me tell you. It just took over the fucking city. Like Mm -hmm. when American Apparel came, like everyone was wearing disco pants mm-hmm. everyone was wearing leotards and i had like, a shiny camel toe oh my goodness they i never got the disco pants i got you the, never had them did you have no. the rider pants um i got the jeans yeah jeans were good what were they called they had they were mm, so fucking cute can't remember they the were name so the high-waisted they were just like but they were so high-waisted in. and i'm quite short they'd be under my tits oh They'd yeah be, it would be literally a bloody jumpsuit it was kind me. of like a corset basically oh my god no but there was the disco pants 
and I had a couple of pairs of them, but I would I had the again, disco shorts. Me and the my disco short shorts vibe. didn't. They didn't look good on me now, I have to say. But I had the disco pants and I rallied them so much that the like uh, white elastics were starting to like pop oh out. Oh my goodness, I remember that. And they were that. all around my crotch and still rocking out in a white crop top, a pair of creepers and so my gosh. American Apparel disco pants. Yeah, so funny. Like, like It was like a little almost cult, I'd say. It was yeah. because I remember hearing that like um like your friend Kelly worked there. Yeah. I remember hearing like, I think she told me actually that like they weren't allowed to wear makeup. Like, yeah. They were allowed to wear like barely some concealer. It was like a very natural, but like very, very culty. Very, yeah. They wanted it to be like very natural and very um sexy, basically. Like yeah. I always remember, I used to reblog so much of their stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I always wanted to model for them. Always, I was like, I see it. I'm going to model for American Apparel, and it's kind of funny because I'd gone for a job interview there before I ever modeled for them and they didn't give me the job no way <laughs> like fuck you now <laughs> I'm but outside your shop on a poster <laughs> you and you were outside that shop for years, a long time like so long yeah. because the thing about American Apparel was that their photo shoots were quite like stripped back it was like a lot yeah. of the time just like a white background we're using just like girls yeah. normal kind mm-hmm. of girls it seemed very like they had homely almost yeah like, which brought the kind of sexy intimacy into exactly. it exactly like they kind of had a girl in each area so I remember um a girl I follow her name's Bruna she was like the Amsterdam American apparel girl like she was okay, all over tumblr did. and then there was that other girl I can't remember her name long brown hair hair I think it was like Lyra or something oh, yeah she yeah. was like she was the face of American apparel where was but she then from New York or something she was American yeah yeah mm. and then there was me for like kind of Europe and that was so funny because that wild there was like um the poster the massive like poster board that was outside Dublin London New York like no I way. was in New York with my brother and I was like what the hell I'm outside American Apparel oh that my crazy. goodness Andrew Nuding took the photos oh he's Didn't so he? talented it, yeah. they were gorgeous photos yeah. where were they taken so um most of them were actually taken in American Apparel so like in the staff oh. area yeah, yeah I remember the it was kind of a kitchen yeah, so one is a kitchen, like I was literally in their staff kitchen, but that building was so huge, what so many now? doors. It's um a Kilkenny shop or something now, is yeah. it? Something? It was huge and it was like it was actually like going into like a massive nightclub. Yeah. Like they had neon, like they'd have the little Casio watches yeah. and then like there were so many different segments. Like so I would many. just hang out there. Yeah. But you You'd would I go there. in and I'd, I'd meet literally you there. hang out, yeah. Like hanging out in the bloody American apparel store. And then the little laundry section. There was like um, escalators. Man, it was fucking unreal. Looking back, I'm like, what were they kind of thinking though? Like of signing a lease on a building on that street. Like, like for, what were they thinking? I mean, but they must have made a mint for ages. Mm. Um, because like, I mean, and they'd have deadly events there. Yeah. They'd always have events. I had a shopping event there. So, oh yes, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, so basically this was at a time when I think it was and maybe doing as well. They were like, I'd modeled for them a few times and I had just recently done the shoot that was like on the posters. Um, and they were like, why don't you come in and do like a private shopping event? So I came in and like everyone, literally everyone that had followed me on Instagram came in and bought something. Fair play to them, guys. I remember Never that. Forget oh you. my goodness, <laughs> that is so amazing. Yeah. And I had, they had t-shirts with my face on it, like, Shut but you know up. what makes me laugh? People are always like, how much money did you get for that? I got paid, I did three shoots and I got paid for two. Guess how much? And know. bear in mind, like, posters were outside, their stores all That's, over. Th- I don't have no idea. Just guess. Give oh. me a number. Oh, 
No, tell me, tell me. 150 euro. No. Yeah, and the check was signed by Dov Charney, and I'm like, don't know how I feel about that now, to be honest. Because he... Absolute... God. So tell me, first mm. of all, before we get into that, because I actually you need to school me on that, because I kind of only loosely follow mm. that. So... How did it even come about that, like you said, you were like reblogging them on Tumblr mm-hmm. and it was just like, I mean, it. there has not been a shop that's come to Dublin that has had that much of an impact as no. long as I can remember. No. Or it was just like, such a moment. Do you remember moment. going to American Apparel to get an outfit to go out on the Saturday night was mm-hmm. like a highlight, highlight of my life at the time. It was like, it was just so much fun. It was such mm-hmm. a fabulous shopping experience. Mm. But basically, back in the day on American Apparel, you could actually apply to model okay. for them. So one day I was like, oh, what have I got to lose? Fuck it, send a few pics into them. Mm-hmm. And they chose me. Oh, yes, I remember yeah. that. So you actually had to email. I Oh. Was it him? No. So um, there was a girl that had, like, she dealt with all that. What was her name? Oh, I can't remember her name. She's lovely anyway. And my pictures ended up with her. And they were like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Because um, at the time, I was quite sexy. Like, I was in really good shape. I had massive boobs. Mm-hmm. Sadly, not here with us anymore. But oh my <laughs> you do. Well, you they, do. they are. They're just at my ankles now. Oh, my um, goodness. I feel like, I mean, big boobs are hard, though, to be walking around with. No, but I had, like, you know, big eyebrows. And, like, I was, mm-hmm. you know, I had that, like, sort of, like, French, like, sexy look. You had you the American apparel look. Yeah. Yeah. So, you um, never wore, like, a lot of makeup and stuff. No. So, yeah, I sent my pictures in and they chose me and I just thought, oh my God, my life is made. That's it, ma'am. Gonna be famous. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, they chose me and the rest was history from there, really. And was there any, because I kind of vaguely remember that, is that kind of, he got cancelled, right? He did. So a lot came out about him. Dob Charney was his name. Well, he's still, he's still alive, not was, is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot came out about him and like misconduct and like, mm. you know, basically like sexually assaulting workers. It was serious, like serious, ser- seriously fucked up, basically. Which is kind of dark when you think about it, because I do remember that now that you say it, that like that that was a known thing that yeah. like, you know, you would send off pictures and mm-hmm. obviously he would have seen them as well you know the way yeah and like girls it was such a like huge thing Mm -hmm. to be an American model a lot of people will be willing to do a lot of things to Mm. do that you know that's um, it's unfortunate but that's kind of Terry Richardson vibes yes even the style of photographs I feel like Terry Richardson had actually like even I'm pretty sure he's done something for American at some point I think so yeah um but this was basically like before and now that I think about it like that was so long ago compared to how things are now um, the other mm. way we had like a moment a few years ago where like the lid was lifted off so many things mm-hmm. and like lots came out that happened significantly before that um, and you like we weren't as versed then no do you know the way like I mean you know since this whole me too movement like everything mm-hmm. has been going on yeah but it was just like that it was going on and no one ever thought anything of it that no. it was kind of bad you know mm-hmm. like um even in like a lighter way if you're thinking like those girls who I remember um someone who worked there and like I think they were like feeling insecure about their skin or something and they weren't allowed to wear makeup and like that's so outrageous to not be like not have ownership over your own look and how mm-hmm. you want to go and present yourself to work yeah so you know you can still buy, buy from American Apparel mm. you can still buy from it um but that will never ever ever be 
what it was it never will it was just a moment of like time it was a moment of madness (laughs) and I mean it was I mean it was when you look back at Dublin in the time it actually is so fun I would love to go back for a week and I think about me and Kate O'Malley hopefully she's gonna be listening to this I just remember us going into town decked out in American apparel yeah going to the button factory going to uh, South William just life I feel like that was probably peak teenage life for me it was and like I was like a young mom and like we would be like in the same circles and stuff and like all wearing the basically the same American yeah. stuff like you only got paid how did that whole work with the because again we'd never be versed on how to ask for money yeah and I feel even if I knew how to ask for money they would have told me to absolutely swing for it like yeah. I feel that was the standard you got what you were given mm-hmm take your 150 and run and I did but like I was so young I was still in secondary school like even to have the 150 yeah, I was yeah. like mm. you were a paid model yeah, at the end I of the day was a paid model I was fucking getting paid girl what can I say and they <laughs> have that picture I can't believe that was in New York that is crazy because yeah. I everyone would walk by that one right outside the American and it's shop. so funny I remember I got wind that it was closing and I was like oh I should go back and just ask them you know I'll put it in the front garden yeah <laughs> and I went back one day and the whole place was absolutely gutted builders and it was gone I was like oh was there a poster they were like love that is in the skip so oh, no. I am currently in a skip somewhere rotting away damn rotting away but um I think when you're talking about like kind of like regretting not maybe like clicking into that like mm-hmm. Instagram life of like it being a career mm-hmm. from that kind of thing it was like how would you have known to like say ask for money or like understand the ownership of like your image mm-hmm. yes yeah, when so that wasn't a thing then it wasn't a thing and I did I got some really amazing things through Instagram and I did make a substantial amount of money at one point but I think what happened was I was kind of doing this and then I remember I did a collaboration with a HTC's phone is it oh yeah 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 HTC and it it people didn't react well to it okay so I feel even though it was a smartphone people still the content just didn't do well and I didn't feel right doing it either mm. you know it's not as if I was bloody promoting like a fridge or a dishwasher like it was yeah. a phone mm-hmm. but I think even though I knew I could make money I'm so peculiar and so particular mm. that it just didn't feel it didn't feel right to me and maybe um, that's just your gut telling you. Yeah, maybe it is. And since that, I've done like a couple of things, but nothing. I like it's like I regret not reaching my potential and running with it like there and then. When you talk about like regret and stuff, like I think you still have got where you wanted to go. Another mistake I made was um, I was doing well on Instagram, got into a relationship, a very toxic relationship mm-hmm. where basically like Instagram post on Instagram wasn't worth it I'll say that much okay and that also killed my Instagram and I I have always one not wondered that but like I mean there is that weird conversation about like we see it all the time where like girls are posting like you know whatever they want to post and Mm -hmm. then they get a boyfriend because for the most part a lot of guys are happy to look at it but Mm -hmm. when they feel they own it they don't want anyone else looking at it regardless of what they're looking at if you know what I mean yeah you know and it's also a thing of like you know what would have attracted him to me Mm -hmm. in the beginning or me to him I should say was Instagram Mm -hmm. so it's like it's a fucking double-edged sword but then they think I think like they can kind of 
Well, you know, insecurity little, comes into it, yeah. yeah. But they can twist it as well, being like, yeah, but now you have me, so why are you still posting it? They, or are you looking for it? They can twist it. I'll mm-hmm. never forget, we were supposed to be on holiday, and I put a bikini picture up, and I got, I can't fucking believe you did that. Like, I cannot believe you posted that. When I look back at my first relationship with, like, Royal's dad, that was toxic. And yeah. then I think it's just, like, you're lear- you learn so much love through toxicity so Mm -hmm. like then my second relationship was toxic and then it's kind of like you bring in toxicity yourself sometimes when you're back dating the thing this is like the thing I've learned I've been in two serious relationships and they were both extremely toxic traumatic in their own ways Mm. but what I've had to realize and what I've had to remember is I'm the common denominator in those relationships and I've had to do that too yes and it's it's been very hard a very hard lesson and a very hard conversation to have with myself um but I had to like get off that hamster wheel and I think in Dublin Mm. it's very very easy to stay on the hamster wheel and kind of go from relationship to relationship of the same sort of like vibe or cycle because you get used to something yeah and it's like it's um I thrived like I couldn't get by without being in a toxic relationship because mm. it was all I knew yeah like I look back and I'm like girl what the fuck like even me as I said I've been the common denominator in my relationships mm. and I'll fully admit that well I think there's a difference between because I've had to do the same kind of thought work as well where I'm like mm. okay there's different like I've had to remove myself from the country girl to like get out of that cycle and like cop yeah. on cop on I mean it's a kind of like balance between like not victim blaming yourself and mm. like but also kind of being like how did I like looking back you know warning signs that I missed or just kind of like treatment that I put up with for what whatever reason like even for just the idea of like the relationship and just mm-hmm. you know the way it's weird like I it's such a kind of secretive place to be in when mm-hmm. you're in a like really difficult relationship oh, yeah. like because you're like it's it's like it's like you want to preserve the idea of you the relationship preserve or the idea and also um you know I I would like the crazy shit would go on and I wouldn't tell anyone and because as you said I wanted to preserve the idea of us and like people's opinions of him mm. especially like obviously friends and family not people. or even like not shoot yourself in the foot be like if I tell my best friend this I'm never going to be able to get back with him again oh um, no I tell and then I get back with them and I've realized that's such a slap in the face to your friend to your friend I mean I get that but I do also think like ultimately it is harder for the person yeah in the situation yeah you know like I mean it is and you do have to like I mean we get questions about this a lot where people are like you know my friend is in this situation I don't know what to do and like what I would say is to just like just still be your friend mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's not up to the oh, friend listen, to give I'll, like lessons no no, no I'll give my friends advice but I won't take my own advice like that's yeah. we all do it mm-hmm. but I do feel from experience just personal experience I suppose not guilt but I do and not regret but kind of do kind of feel bad for like offloading Mm. some of my serious problems onto friends and like leaving them in that sort of space where they're like what the fuck is going on like this is crazy and then like being in the house the next day like chilling posting stories yeah I mean it's a it's a I don't know it's a weird one because again like I think there's that comfort of the relationship and even of the like for me it was fear of the unknown and absolute codependency absolute Mm. because I'm 
I'm actually like kind of more introverted than you'd maybe think. I'm like a, a homebody mm-hmm. and the last few relationships I've been in have been quite intense that we'd be in each other's pockets. Yeah. So then I would almost forget to like how to act, how to be alone. Do you mm. know what I mean? You're just mm-hmm. so used to like basically having someone attached to your hip. Yeah. So that was like another cycle that was like toxic in itself. And do you think you've been in a healthy relationship before? No. That's a wild thing to think. I have never, hand on my heart, been in a healthy relationship. And it's like, I think it's so hard to like think that it's available to you Mm -hmm. if you haven't had it. Because like, it was like, a. I was like, you said that you were training your Instagrammers. It was like, I'm training, I was training myself to be like able to breathe in a normal relationship and not exist. And also like over time like I still I haven't been in in a healthy relationship but over time being by myself like Mm. realizing that it's you know it's okay for people to be nice to you it's okay for people to like do nice things and I just wouldn't have had that so I would have Mm -hmm. questioned everything and I've never I basically would like accept the bare minimum Mm. as it is what it is and now looking back I'm like what the hell but Mm -hmm. it's it's such like a rabbit hole to go down and as you said if you're in sort of like a relationship after relationship that's kind of toxic it's very hard to like break yourself out of that cycle and like frame of mind to touch upon as well um you spoke on your instagram which was like so amazing i thought because like i said from tumblr and from then instagram you were like this aesthetic kind of like Mm -hmm. you know that was kind of what instagram was like with um more influencers it was kind of like the veneer of this like perfection but then you spoke about like your health and how did you find out like I need to say the name right endometriosis Uh, (laughs) endometriosis so I have endometriosis and polycystic ovaries Mm -hmm. polycystic ovaries is like lots of little cysts on your ovaries that doesn't really affect me the endometriosis ruined my life at one point it was like very dark very upsetting time and basically endometriosis is, it's like the, you know, the lining that you shed every month for your period. Mm-hmm. It's like that tissue, but it's all over. It can be in your bladder. It can like fuse your organs together. Wow. And it causes a lot, a lot of pain. Um, so yeah, basically what should have been a telltale of that. I got my period when I was 10. And when I got my period, I'd be out of school for the week. Like I would be great. Ten. Ten. And you must have been. But like I was born a when I was born. Kid. Skinny Malink Maloney. Because I have mine when I was like <sighs> fucking seventeen or something. Ten. And sure. it's more common for like slimmer kids to kind of. So no, you know, no, no, not I even. thought. Well, that's what I thought. Yeah. 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 No. So um, I got it when I was ten, and that should have been kind of a telltale sign, but nothing and then it wasn't until years later when it started to get really bad and I was having like awful swelling these crazy periods that would last like two weeks at a time and I mean I would bleed out like it wasn't a bit of spotting it would be like I'm not going to wake up tomorrow that's how much I'm bleeding like gushing gushing like serious serious bleeding and my stomach I don't what age so that really kicked in, I'd say. It was like 2018, I think that was. twenty. Yeah, about 2018. That's when like my endometriosis really like flared up and became mm-hmm. actually like part of my life. I didn't know yeah. up until then that I had this. Um, but when, so did you always have like trouble with periods? Always crazy periods. And I was like from the age of 10, like really, really bad, heavy periods. That's so hard as a 10 year old as yeah, well. But I just had to like you know suck it up and get on with it and I just thought that was normal for me and it was yeah. normal for me um, and we are kind of used to like oh I'm having cramps I'm having this like that is kind I of have, narrative around yes. periods as well so we don't really know what's normal or yeah. not 
Um, but basically, I was like getting this crazy swelling, and I'd gone back and forth to the doctor, and I I used to have um really painful sex and that's also kind of like a telltale sign of it because mm. there's tissue everywhere so you can imagine okay like you know stuff being poked at literally yeah. oh no um, poor so thing kept going back to the doctor got a smear test came back kind of a regular but I was young and that was normal so we left that alone and then I ended up with a specialist and I found out about my polycystic ovaries mm-hmm. but how I found out about my endometriosis was really traumatic um I was having really bad stomach problems and they were like, oh, it could be Crohn's disease, this, that and the other. And this was like building up over a few weeks. And I was like to my mom, I need to go to the hospital now, like right now. I was like, something is falling out of me. Oh I was God. like, am I having a prolapse womb? Like you, I just, I didn't know what was happening. And I was great. So I, and my mom brought me to the Rotunda because they have an A&E and it's a gynae hospital. We were like, okay, we'll just went in um the poor doctor on she was so young by herself like no help I felt bad for her but I was bawling crying to her and I was getting no help no sympathy no nothing and you can imagine how frustrating that is when you're trying to tell someone verbalize like the excruciating pain that you're Mm. in and I was bawling crying I was like something's coming out of me something's coming out of me she was like right we'll go out get changed and we'll come back in I like pulled my pants down there was a piece of tissue about I'd say like mm, 10 millimeters thick Mm -hmm. it was like a massive piece of skin with like clots and veins in it and that was endometrial tissue and the excruciating pain I was in was that being pushed out of my body so she Mm. came in bawling crying like bleeding like so you could feel that I could so it was like bloody giving birth birth. yeah I was like pushing it out of me a massive size of my hand really um so I'm standing there and I'm like the size of your hand and it was the size of my palm so it was like thick so it was like jelly like it was like skin it's like clear skin Mm. um and I'm standing there holding it ball and crying being like look fucking told you so she takes out of my hand fucks in the bin no and she's like yeah so basically like endometriosis like endometrial tissue she's like it's like you're having a miscarriage but you're not pregnant she kept telling me I was uh, to take a pregnancy test are you pregnant are you pregnant are you pregnant because I looked at it and I was like no and the nurse came in when it came back negative being like oh you're not pregnant I was like yeah unless Jesus himself came down and like yeah Angela Gabriel yeah 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 yeah. no so that was so traumatic and I was like quite bitter over that Mm -hmm. but they sent me home from the rotunda and I was like guys I don't feel well ended up in um the matter the next day I was literally green on my way to being like I had to be put in a drip because there was all this shit left inside me and I was it's like basically rotting in me oh my god um that was so traumatic and I think I was really bitter about that because I realized that so many women were going through this and it just mm-hmm. wasn't spoken about and for my endometriosis weirdly enough I was sent to the rotunda to a fertility specialist he was more so polycystic ovaries and I said to him I was like obviously I'm 21 um 21 22 I will want to have kids at some point but like what's my situation should I be worried and he's sitting there in a suit being like oh, I'm not worried we'll cross that bridge when we get to it I'm like, okay, so there's nothing that I could be doing between the jigs and the reels to like mm. sort of look after myself. And that was a really hard time. And the only thing that actually helped me function because the, I can't, was constantly on a period. I was like a wow. zombie going around. Like it affects your mental state and everything. It's not just, you know. Oh, totally. It, it's, uh, yeah, it makes your tummy smell and it smells well. Yeah. <laughs> makes your tummy smell. 
Um, so, and is it is the swelling the excess access, access so, tissue? So the swelling is like, say if I'm due a period and there's like a bit of movement, that's when, like I'm sw- currently swollen now, like if I show you my tummy now, mm-hmm. I look, you know, in the early stages of pregnancy and it's like rock hard and there's nothing you can do. There's no tablet, there's nothing you can really take other than the pill. So that got me in like a really toxic cycle of having to consistently take the pill. I've mm-hmm. been on the pill most of my life. And it's only in the last year, I'd say, that I've really, like, realized the extent and the long-term effects of the pill. Mm -hmm. Like, the pill has ruined my life. And it's a double-edged sword because I had to take it to stop the periods because the periods would, like, Mm -hmm. weren't, were totally out of the question. But the pill is so bad for you. Yeah. It's so bad for you, like, pumping all the hormones into you. And I was also on Dinette, which is, like, the absolute worst pill in the world. And so, and as well from what I've heard, that it doesn't actually help it, it just masks it the It masks it, yeah, symptoms. it does. Yeah. And then, like, I, so I've been masking it for a couple of years, and now long-term effects of the pill have started to affect me. Like, I was losing my hair at one point. I was oh. on Dinette, and I came off it, and I had to go back on it, because I started to lose my hair, and um, became really, really sick, and the pill, over time, so my... A dinette's like an estrogen pill basically so mm-hmm. my body didn't know how to make it anymore and like another I felt you know what I felt really ashamed of was like I couldn't enjoy sex anymore it totally ruined my libido and also caused dryness and like yeah who wants to admit that they had a dry fanny but I did and it was mm-hmm. horrible it was literally the worst thing ever I probably have the bandiest fanny in Dublin <laughs> oh stop I mean <laughs> Mine, I mean, I remember like the feeling cute, of but like... Bandy. <laughs> cute, but bandy. Cute, but a It's like petite, but bandy. Yeah, very cute and tight. <laughs> but um, it has been so amazing talking to you. Thank, Thank you for you. being so open. <laughs> and I don't think you have anything to regret because, first of all, you have the best Instagram government and you're still like, I mean, inspiring so many people, I'd say, that you don't even know. And you never sold out. So that's really Aww, fucking cool. Thank you. You know, so thank you. Thank Go you so follow much. Lauren and get some style inspo and um, <laughs> keep us updated because I love that you're also Definitely. explaining about like your health and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm going to do a post about smear tests because that's something like I've posted about before mm-hmm. and I'm very, you know, it's obviously yeah. very important. So important. So I'll be speaking more about health or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah. And you should come on again soon and chat Definitely. about it because like it's so important. Because yeah. I remember I got mine and they like brought the little test away and it was too long. Have to go back again. You've reminded me. Okay, I'll do one and I'll be like get that booked now. Yeah, I will. Okay. <laughs> bye gals. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.